0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
1: Joining us now is the COO of the Dallas Cowboys, the great Stephen Jones. How are you doing today, Stephen?
2: Hey, guys. Great being on. Uh, tough one for us last night, but uh, hats off to the Saints and the crowd down there. It's always, as uh, well know, it's tough to get a win, and uh, down there in the
1: Super does. No doubt about it. Heck of a football game. You guys lost 12-10, to 10, but uh, we're definitely in it there. At, in the end, it's just uh, it's our job, and I think the fans' job, to overreact wildly today. Hmm. And so uh, we suddenly can't remember anything about the three-game win streak and are only focused on what happened last night. But in general, is there is there anything about last night that has you concerned in any way? Not
2: really, no. I just think we've got to continue to uh... You know, the biggest thing I think last night showed us is we've got to be a team that can thrive in a tough environment. We've got work to do there. Uh, I think uh, you know it was obviously a, you know it was a hyped-up game, and you know as anyone who was there can tell you, it was really loud and uh, really difficult to communicate. But we have to, uh, you know, if we're going to be a great football team, we've got to be able to thrive in an environment like that. And certainly, we can improve in that area. I think. Uh, obviously the defense did a really nice job holding the Saints to field goals and you know albeit it was without Drew breeze I still uh, see our defense taking big steps and you know offensively we've just got to execute a little better we got behind the chains quite a bit on first down where we had some second longs which we hadn't seen much this year and uh you know that ended up being a challenge for us and we just weren't able to get to, you know into a rhythm and, Make the plays that we've been making most of the year, but uh, you also have to credit the Saints. The defensive uh, game plan was really good and uh, really putting the brakes on Zeke, and then uh, you know, really uh, getting some pressure on Dak. And uh, obviously, you know, in an environment like that, it makes it difficult to uh, communicate. You're going to have some uh, some mental's in there where. Uh, Don't get your communication
1: just right. Steven, you said a lot of interesting things there that may or may not tie into the conversations we've been having this morning, but the loudness, the difficulty in communicating, you guys knowing what it's like in New Orleans. It felt like in the first half that y'all's approach offensively was different than the first three games, running a lot more on first down, some of those kinds of things. Do you feel like you guys were maybe more conservative than you have been in the first three games? You may not feel that way. And if so, did any of it tie into that environment you guys were playing in?
2: Well, I, you know, it's tough for me to say, you know, until we really get in there and dissect everything and, uh, you know, hear from the coaches, get ready to meet with the staff and, you know, get a feel for how they felt like the game unfolded. But, you know, anytime you go on the road like that and you're playing a, know a tough Saints team and you know they don't have their quarterback you don't want to you know you don't want to beat yourself and you know I failed to mention it. you know unfortunately we had uh, two fumbles by our probably I mean, two of our most dependable players and uh you know that's just tough to overcome if you lose that turnover battle which we did last night you're gonna you know you're not gonna win many games when you lose that particular stat especially on the road so you know we just got to go back and uh and do better and uh get back to work and uh, as Jason said to the team last night we've got to be
1: able to control control things better even if it is a a tough environment to thrive in so uh, as a as somebody who's very influential in the league and and a member of the competition committee if I'm if I'm not mistaken I'm not trying to lead you here and get you in any trouble but I would love to get your thoughts uh two pass interference calls on on Amari Cooper those seemed really strange to me. And, and, again, not trying to get you in trouble here, but what did you make of those offensive pass interference calls?
2: Well, whenever they go against you, they're difficult. You know, those guys have a tough job. And you never know uh, exactly how they're seeing it, obviously. Uh, you know, uh, when I look at it, you question it a little bit, and uh, you think that it's uh, you know, to the level that it needs to be to draw the flag, but obviously the official thought it was. And, uh, you know, you've got to live with those. I'm sure they had some calls on them last night that uh, they weren't thrilled with either. And, uh, you know, you just got to overcome any of these things that uh, you think they set you back a little bit. That's part of, part of the game of the play. It's not always going to be perfect. But you're going to have some calls that go for you, calls that go against you. I know those officials are doing the very best job they can. And, uh, you know, hats off to them because they, they do have a difficult job. But, uh, you know, it's – not a, uh, you know, it's not for us, but you know, lay blame on a loss or uh, lack of success on, uh, on
1: the efficiency. Talking to Steven Jones here on the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. A uh, lot of things to be excited about with that defense. It's two games, but Quinn looks phenomenal. Uh, and it kind of makes us wonder, how do you get a guy like that for the money y'all paid in a six-round pick? Is he exceeding early expectations, or is this what you guys expected out of him?
2: You know, you were hoping for some level of this, obviously, but he's certainly brought his A game, and uh, he's making a huge difference out there. I think he got another sack called back, and uh, he's really, uh, you know, a, a difference maker for us, and certainly that's why we paid him. Uh, you know, there, as we all know, we got another one on our team in D-Law. He's uh, a premier pass rusher and makes quite a quite a bit more money, but if uh, Gwen keeps paying, uh, playing like this, then uh, we'll have our hands full of contractions
1: no doubt uh, and I, I wondered about that i mean we've talked about the limited amount of pie and uh, certainly we we don't have updates on a couple of those contracts but would there potentially be enough pie if you wanted to keep robert quinn around
2: well you just have to wait and see uh, where things fall and, uh, it's very difficult to, you know middle of the season right now to really uh, see where things are uh, you really want to see the, the full body of work but i can tell you since the Jay Quinn walked in the door. He's been nothing but exceed expectations both on and off the field. His professionalism, he's a complete pro. The way he uh, handles himself, he's very well respected by the team. You know, it's just turned out to be a you know a great pickup by us. And Will and our pro department, Alex Loomis, did a great job of uh, getting us in the mix on that one, and uh, I'm certainly uh, glad we have him. And, you know as i said last week i think this defense is only going to get better with time and, uh, as they play together more and uh, you know they, they get uh their cadence down I, I think they're only going to get better it's a talented group out there and look forward to you know good more good things to come from that unit
1: steven did you like maybe midway in the fourth quarter lean over to jerry and your brother and go
0: where the hell's tony pollard
1: man i thought we were gonna have this rookie doing awesome stuff in this game we Wait, was it was that a thing, too, or knowing the environment, maybe more hesitant to throw a rookie out there in that mix? What happened with him last night?
2: Well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, again, you got to give credit to the Saints. They held the ball, I think, for over 36 minutes. And so we had a limited amount of – I know at the end of the third quarter, I think over. Jerry and said, look, we only had the ball one time, which was a touchdown. But, uh, you know, Saints controlled the ball, and uh, – you know, we were able to hold them to field goals, but they had some time-consuming drives for field goals. And, you know, we really had a limited number of opportunities to execute and, and make plays out there. And, you know, had 12 to 10 games, that moved pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, both sides ate up a lot of clock on their drives. So, you know, there just weren't the number of opportunities that you might normally see in the game. But uh, I know our coaches, I've, you know, we've talked in meetings. I know they'd be very comfortable being they in any type of situation. He's ready to go with, you know, his time and his touches
1: have come. So, in terms of the injury front, we were obviously concerned about Tyron and uh, then Demarcus Lawrence, I think, got a little banged up and Xavier Woods. What can you tell us about the health of those three guys and any others that are, may be of a concern? Really, it's
2: early. They're just getting in and out of MRIs out there and we don't really know a whole lot other than we do though. You know Tyron's probably got a uh, you know probably got a high angle and Avon Frazier's got a uh, a word that he's got some sort of uh, back injury that we'll have to deal with. And D-Law, we think it's not his uh, shoulder he just rehabbed, but his other shoulder he tweaked a little. But uh, hopefully that's not going to be an
1: issue. Not to pry on your personal life here, Stephen, but I'm very curious what you were doing on Saturday night because I'm sure you saw the magical social media video of your dad like the Pied Piper leading all of Bourbon Street, him and Rosie just had a throng of people following him everywhere he went. Were you anywhere near him as that magic was happening?
2: Yeah, we had a little birthday. My brother turned fifty uh, over the weekend, so we had a little birthday party down there for him, and had a nice evening with uh, uh, with uh, with our family. And uh, when Jerry was trying to make his move from the restaurant back to the car, it caused quite a stir. As you know, we had a lot of. Cowboy fans down there. Of course, a lot of football fans in general. And it's great atmosphere.
1: So he's out there on Bourbon Street with... Uh, I didn't see an elite SEAL team force around him. I only saw Rosie, and Rosie is a bad dude. No question about that. But uh, is, that, is is Rosie enough security for old Jerry out there just uh, in uh, on Bourbon Street? Can he handle it all by himself?
2: Well, you know, uh, the group down there uh, historically has been so friendly, and, uh, you know, you don't really... You don't really need security. I mean, everybody's there, you know, in a good, a good place, and a good mood, and you know, everybody's friendly. So uh, I think we were in. I think Jerry was in good shape.
1: You know, you, it brings up an interesting point too, because I don't know. Maybe you're accustomed to this. I don't recall ever seeing at least video of your dad in the opponent city with all the people chanting his name. It was it was like a beetle <laughs> showed up or something. There was people chanting your dad's name. Is that is that normal? Have you witnessed this sort of uh, behavior before?
2: Not really, but there were a lot of Cowboy fans on Bourbon Street. Obviously, the Saints fans are more uh, locals there, and uh, they've been there and done that. So that, uh, you know, that uh, Bourbon Street uh, street uh, the other night was predominantly uh, uh, Cowboy fans visiting for the game. So it was an easy situation, and uh, like we said, had a good celebration for my brother uh, who turned 50, and it was a good evening.
1: So you know we I have two brothers, and I think as we get older we don't really buy each other presents for our birthdays we do stuff for each other's kids or, or things like that do you do you get your brother a, a present do you get him a card do you just put him in a headlock give him a wedgie I mean what do you what do you do to say happy birthday to your 50 year old brother
2: Well well, I roasted him pretty good with the toast <laughs> that night, and I had some fun with him, and I told some of those stories on him I'm sure he didn't appreciate <laughs> but uh of course, We've got wonderful wives, both of us, and uh, those wives usually take care of us, especially the big birthdays, like the the 50s and the 55s and the Mm -hmm. 45s. The the bigger ones uh, will splurge and get each other a little something.
1: Man, I am just dying to be like a Jones cousin for a day. Next time you guys have a big (laughs) gathering, can me and Ben tag along and pretend like we're from Arkansas? Uh,
2: Absolutely. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, Love to have you guys.
1: Hey, we'll change our name to Jones. I mean, people already think you guys feed us our lines anyways. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, you're not criticizing them because the Joneses will fire you.
2: (laughs) Pretty good. I guess they found us out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, thanks so much for the time. We always enjoy these visits. And, hey, win or lose, you're always here answering all the questions. We really appreciate it, Steven.
2: Appreciate it, guys.
1: Y'all have a great week. All right, there you go, Steve oh. Jones. Hey, Ben and Skin Jones. I love it. I like it. I'll go by Ben Jones. I'll go by Skin Jones. Let's do this, KT Jones, Shippy Jones.
3: Yeah, for sure. All right, Let's I like say, yeah.
1: I like Tizzle Jones. Look, if we can do this, if, uh-huh. if we can do this, I'm pretty sure we can get on that yacht. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, let's do that. Dude, I would I want to love... get on the helicopter. Dude, I'd love to land the helicopter on the yacht. Yeah. Do you guys how baller that would be if I the think, four of us oh, yeah. got out of that helicopter? I, I think there's four helipads. We could each have our own <laughs> helicopter. <sure>. Simultaneous <laughs> landings in uh, unison. But I do love hearing about uh, their birthday parties and stuff. The Jones family, it's a tight-knit family, man. That think... is the most surreal video I've ever... Well, that's not true, but that's one of the craziest things I've ever seen is the guy is walking and Jerry's behind him. There is just... A throng of people chanting Jerry behind him. It's so
3: ridiculous. <laughs> and Love Rosie. It. And one security guy. I, I, and I, that's what I thought was strange. I thought there could have been like oh, dude, 10 guys. It would Rosie. look like a
1: John Woo movie. He'd be throwing <laughs> people out of the way. <laughs> yes, dude. Oh, my God. There's seven of
3: him. What's going on?
1: Yeah. I Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. God,
0: <laughs> it's like a Springer
1: show broke out, but it's better than <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, so great. Uh, thank you to Stephen Jones for jumping on with us. Always a pleasure. This episode is brought to you by
4: Progressive Insurance. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: It's the Ben and Scan Show, 105.3 The Fan. Still got lots of great stuff to get to, including one of our favorite things, even when it's a loss, is Sham Goes Ham. But it's a little bit different today because Sham missed only his second Cowboy game in 39 years, and our buddy Teddy Emmerich was filling in. So we'll figure out a name for that. Maybe it's Ted Goes Fed. Ted Goes Head. Uh, Sir? What? Uh, we'll do that at 1240, but joining us now down there at the Star, courtesy of Ford, the best in Texas, is our guy Mickey Spagnola. Good midday to you, Sir Mick. How Good are you today? Good day to you guys. All right. Let's get into the stuff that everyone's freaking out about. Is Tyron alive? Uh, he, he is alive. Uh, he, he left
4: the stadium uh, walking with a, a boot on his right ankle that's uh, sprained. Uh, I'm told uh, it's a medial sprain so it's somewhere in between a high and a common uh, ankle sprain. He's probably going to miss uh, a little while and, and they hadn't really come up with a prognosis yet. They were going to re-examine him in the morning. Uh, I was told that uh, you know they scanned it and there was no structural damage so probably means he's just uh, stretched a ligament in there and uh, we'll have to see how long uh, he'll be out but Probably for sure for the Green Bay game. So, uh, and I was telling the guys this morning. You know, when you play at the at the Superdome, if you can believe this. So the the way the the stadium's configured, the locker room, the the visitors' locker rooms at the end of one end zone, and where you get on the bus is at the other end of the end zone. So this poor guy with his big old boots got to walk like hundred and thirty some yards to get to the bus. So oh. it's like when you lose, it's one last kick in the ass on your way home. You
1: God, know? get that man a golf cart. That's what I <laughs> thought. You know,
4: come on, could somebody help out a brother? Uh, you know, he's
1: geez. he's so valuable to this thing. Um, <laughs> but they should have brought the bus to him. right? Yeah, no doubt about it. So uh,
4: yeah, so that's kind of where that stands right now.
1: I could see Jerry's helicopter just dropping a hook down and just hooking it to like, <laughs> right? the back well, of his. Wow, the ball. dome's pretty <laughs> high, <laughs> and I could attest to. That
4: because the press box now is at the top of the dome so yeah
1: um, okay so a uh, rescue mission like pulling people out of the water yeah, right <laughs> so uh what about the other guys uh d law a little banged up xavier woods anything to worry about with no those guys, those
4: guys i think should be uh, should be okay uh uh Kayvon frazier uh injured his peck and he's going to be out some time, uh, and could be longer if they decide he needs surgery. So uh, they've probably lost him for a while. I don't know if he's an IR candidate or not at this time. Uh, they were going to re-examine him, and I think the good news is is that uh, it it appears that Antoine Woods and Michael Gallup might have a chance to get back this week. They they were running pretty good during their rehab the end of last week, so uh, we'll see where that one goes and. Uh, I think, uh, you know, they can use the human log there in the middle to help clog things up. They had a few problems there. But, you know, with all the problems they had, it it was the—and if this research was accurate, it's the first time uh, they've lost a game uh, when not giving up a touchdown since 2002. Wow. So how strange is, you know, is that, that you give up 12 points— uh, and you end up losing a game by two. So yeah. Just a weird, weird whole vibe in that in that building of all the weird things that happen with was it a fumble? Was his elbow down? Was it not down? The uh the uh offensive pass interferences on Amari Cooper, uh and then what Jason Garrett call, uh, called and, you know, led to a field goal, which is three points, and you lost by two on the fastest play in NFL history at the end of the first half when they snapped the ball at four seconds and threw an incompletion, and the clock stopped with still two seconds on there for them to have a chance to kick a field goal. That was That might have been the strangest thing I think I've ever seen.
1: Okay, so I want to throw this out there, Mick, and uh, you know how this goes. It, it, so feel free to dismiss this if there's something to dismiss. But there's going to be a lot of people that are like, man, we just paid Tank all this money, and I have seen Robert Quinn explode off my TV screen five times as much as Tank Lawrence in these first four games. Tank played four, Quinn played two. Why is that? Is Tank not performing as well, or are there things we're not noticing, or has Quinn just been exceptional? How do you explain this?
4: Well,. Going into this game, and I just happened to, I don't know how I stumbled across it. I was reading something, and they were quoting NFL next-gen stats. And their stat said that going into this game, so I don't know if it held or not, that Lawrence had been double-teamed 35% of his snaps, which was the most of any edge rusher in the league to that point after three games. So I'm not trying to make an excuse for it. I didn't research it. I just happened to read it. Now, I don't know if if the Saints needed to double him or not uh, because they certainly needed to double Quinn, right? Uh, they needed to double somebody because they gave up five sacks. You know, when you sack a quarterback five times, you know, shame on you for losing the game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, you know, look, I, I think there's something to maybe this off-season workouts and, and, and you know, working out in training camp. And then you know maybe it takes you time to get back in the swing of things when you when you miss all that kind of foundation. And the us remember he you know he missed all that time with the soldier the shoulder surgery and and then basically all of training camp you know was rehabbing and conditioning and and. You know, if you look at Jalen Smith, he, he he wasn't here the whole time in the offseason. I know he was working out at Notre Dame, but it wasn't the same when you're probably going to school. So I think offseason workouts may be important for everybody. And, you know, maybe it's taken him a little more time. I mean, he did get a sack. He had a tackle for a loss. He had a quarterback hurry. Uh, and and they kind of keep an eye on how many, um, how many snaps he's been getting. I didn't look up – I was going to say I didn't – he had 39 snaps in the game. So they were kind of still regulating how many snaps he get, and he did ding his shoulder in the game. So, uh, you know, and for, you know, whatever they did on defense, you know, it wasn't all that bad. I mean, he gave up 12 points. That means in two games, in two seasons, they given up 22 points to the Saints. Now, I know Drew Brees didn't play, uh, but a lot of teams don't have guys playing. But 22 points to uh my masterful offensive coordinator, Sean Payton's not bad in two games.
1: Awesome stuff, Mick. We appreciate it, brother. Okay. See there ya. it goes, Mickey Spagnola. See ya. Uh we'll get back into Cowboys stuff coming up here in just a bit. In fact, we'll go through Teddy Emmerich's best calls of the game as he filled in for Brad Sham and Sham goes ham. We'll go around the NFL, get back into the Cowboys, but before we do, we should probably tip our caps to Globe Life Park and another brilliant day by the Texas Rangers who have been so good. With their legacy program of late, whether it's Beltre, whether it's Michael Young, whatever they're doing, they've just been doing it exceedingly well. The Josh Hamilton stuff, and now they say goodbye to Globe Life Park and KT. They did it with extreme class.
3: Yeah, it was awesome. You know, I watched a little bit of yesterday. Had a couple. I have, as you guys know, I have two tiny screens, um, so I had you know football going on one screen. And I had the Rangers going on the other. A screen and as it all ended, the ratings for the Rangers post game was higher than the Rangers game yesterday. That says as a you lot. you can imagine. Yeah. Now, I know Shippy was there Saturday night, and I was. they did the whole thing where they turned the lights out at the stadium. And then they and did it by panic? Well, no, they just did a, it. It oh. got dark, and they did a Field of Dreams bit where a guy goes and has, does a little speech, and then they did a natural bit, and then a guy hits a home run left-handed.
1: How did he hit that he firework? Hits a, he hits
3: a firework. It, it looked it looked awesome and yeah. it felt cool and then the fireworks start going and they sent the park out you know at night and it was really cool just watching on TV. That was during and the seventh inning. No, that was yeah. after the game Saturday night, and then yeah. Sunday. Don't make a mockery of. No, I'm asking questions, the Temple sir. Sir. All right, and yeah. then Sunday the first Seven. pitch, so it's like a, it was a surprise. Now I knew because I'd get the email from John Blake, mm-hmm. but. People there, and I talked to a bunch of people who went to the game yesterday. They're like, no one knew the surprises that the Rangers had in store, and so no one. Ryan throws out the first pitch. I wish I got that email. uh Kenny Rogers was there to catch it. Interesting that those two guys didn't stay through throughout the day. He was an
1: amazing catcher in his time here. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Did he sing any songs? You know what's
3: great about Kenny Rogers though is he looks just the same, but apparently he had to get to a golf tournament. And that was well, more important there than was, being, yeah. that was then saying goodbye to the ballpark.
1: There was another stadium <laughs> closing on the other side of town yeah. that he it, had to get to.
3: But you got a sense of the guys who really did care when they did the Globe Life team. And they started bringing them out. It's about 15 minutes after the game. And I talked to a couple of people who were at the game. They're like, I didn't know. Like, I knew something was happening. But I didn't know, should we leave? I didn't know. And then finally, they did the whole tribute to the stadium. And they'd bring out the team one by one. So, And, you know, Chu was on that team. So, Chu is in a uniform. He goes out. Elvis is on that team. And they're bringing those guys out from the bullpen. And they're kind of doing the outfield. They're doing it by the outfield. And here comes uh, David Murphy. And David Murphy's just loving it. He's sucking it in. All right, and you're going, who else? Oh, Rusty Greer. Okay, big chance. Josh Hamilton comes out. Nice. And then the crowd went nuts. I mean, they went... Absolutely bonk. Was oh, he wearing that's... a flannel shirt? No, they had them all in <laughs> Ranger jerseys of their time. He had an axe. So, like, Rusty w- Greer was wearing kind of the Rangers, like, the it was white, but, you know, with the red lettering. You know, Josh mm. had on with, from from his time when he played. Hey,
1: hey, and look, what... can you introduce me as Paul Bunyan? <laughs> <laughs> Rusty had extra polyester on his.
3: It was also weird, though, because they were doing a thing where they were going, you know, like uh, Ian Kinsler, Hugh Darvish, Derek Holland We're all on this all-globe live park team. Yeah. And Chuck would say, unable to be here today. Was, I felt like it should have unable to be here today because they're currently playing for someone else. Hmm. Uh, you know, unable to be here today. And then they would do it. But then they had Beltre come out. Oh. Crowd goes nuts. Michael Young comes out. Crowd goes nuts. Uh, you know, Will Clark, Rapha, uh, Rafael Palmero. I felt like I'm just listing off the team. But Lance Berkman. The the biggest. <laughs> Berkman didn't make it. No. Who did Will Clark yell at? He didn't yell at anyone. <laughs> Did okay. Carl Everett nice make guy. it? Nice guy. Carl Everett didn't make it. Why not? The, see, guys, you're mocking the Rangers No, I'm here. not. I want answers to these questions. I'm asking sports the questions. biggest cheer, huh? Michael Young comes up, but the biggest cheer was Napoli. Yeah. Oh, he, hell Chuck yeah. Chuck Morgan gave a little bit of extra time for the crowd to get the Napoli chant going. Uh-huh. And Napoli's got this fat beard, and he's, at catcher, and he's standing at the catcher position, not in full uniform. He, he was shirtless, right? you see him, he kinda, he's kind of <laughs> rubbing out. He either had allergies. He was no,
1: rubbing he what? Was, <laughs> I, think, I think four Hawaiian Tropic models carried him out no, 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 on no, no. their
3: shoulders. <laughs> and saying, that's why he did that? He was rubbing his nose. Oh. Oh. So he either had allergies or he was, you could tell, he was, he was, getting he was, choked, up. He was choked up. Was yeah, he telling a lie? Easy. No, no, not at all.
1: No, it was Pinocchio. No,
3: you could tell. Got your nose. You could tell he was choked up. Yeah. And then they did uh, the final pitch. So Michael Young mm-hmm. throws it to Pudge. Pudge, and Pudge, well, Pudge was, Pudge was going ham yesterday. How
1: did the Yankees take this?
3: They were, they got, out, they got out of there. Oh, okay. And then Pudge <laughs> throws it down to Elvis. Elvis lays down the tag on a ghost runner, got calls him. him out, and then the parade to New Globe Life Field. It okay, was great. Now man. wait, how much of that did they show? Uh, listen, all I, of it. I have. Uh, it was an, It was an hour
1: long. I'm going to watch it tonight. I have it uh, taped on my DVR, but I'm very interested about. Who all left the building? When they left the building, and did they put on hard hats to go into the new building, or what stage
3: so is it in? The only people that went into the new building was John Radigan. Okay. Okay, and John Blake was there, uh, of course, and John Blake ran the whole show. It was, dude, it, it, Blake w- it was mornings. really good. And then, uh, so you had owner Ray Davis, and he took the home plate. They right when the game ended, they dug up home plate. Okay. Like they got their shovel out, dug up home plate, and then it was you know part of the process of the parade. So it was. Uh, Ray Davis, uh, Neil Liebman, I think the mayor, uh, Mr. Green, maybe Tom Schieffer was there. Sean Terry. And then, uh, and then Bob Simpson stumbled in. And Radigan even goes, Oh, there's Bob Simpson. It was <laughs> real strange. It felt like they were making an attempt to keep it out of Bob Simpson, the microphone out of <laughs> Bob Simpson's hands. <laughs> and then Ray Davis takes this like 50 pound home plate. And lays it into the new uh wow. to the new field that's awesome it, it,
1: it, dude they've been doing They're. i mean look things haven't gone their way on the field but they're in transition they're rebuilding yeah but they do things like this really well like they're that's a great. smart classy organization and they've got a good handle on this type of stuff and yeah. i love the way they've embraced their legacy it's a short history here but it's it's important for that and and You know, John Daniels will come on our show and go, guys, you don't have to bring up 2010, 2011 anymore. We don't bring it up. We're not hanging our hat on that. But it is great for the fan base to celebrate. That was the greatest era in Texas Rangers history. And the best times ever happened at that ballpark. And so that's pretty cool the way they passed the baton From one ballpark to another. And and, and do you know why, uh, seriously, why John Blake is so good about this stuff? Is he has an amazing sense of the history of the game. Yeah. And so when you have that broader perspective of all of it, and then you can look at what the Rangers' history is within their own little context, he just,
3: they do these things right. They really do. The guys who are there were having, legitimately soaking in and having a good time. Uh, I think Fox Sports Southwest deserves credit, and they'll probably be airing this all week. You can probably find it somewhere. Mm -hmm. If you give a crap about the team at all, you can't watch that not. Feel something, and I know a lot of people were getting choked up and all that stuff. But like, you couldn't have done watch that whole thing and Emily and Dave Raymond and and Tom Green and basic was a part of it, and macklemore Those guys did a great job, and all the people running cameras they they gave a good shout out to all the these guys who've been running cameras at the stadium for twenty five years. Awesome. And then you know the parade going over. It was just really cool. I've never really seen anything like it. So I I just thought it was I thought it was great. And if you guys get a chance to watch it this week. Just do it because Fox Sports did a great job covering it.
1: Well done, Texas Rangers. Once again, thank you for the recap, KT. All right, Ted Emmerich filled in for Brad Sham. We were going to do Sham Goes Ham, but instead let's do Ted Goes Goes
0: Fed
1: Fed! next on 105.3 The Fan. (laughs) Just looking at my Twitter timeline here, Brian brought says the first down runs were a disaster from a blocking standpoint as a whole. We'll visit with him throughout the week on the radio station, I know. Uh, Warren Sharp had this on Twitter. When can you count real seconds during a slow motion replay? <laughs> Last night Collinsworth on the with 4 seconds left, they're showing a slow motion replay. He's like, "Alright, there's 1, 2." Yeah. That was the best <laughs> moment of the first half. Dude, and and Al Michaels didn't even say anything. He was like, "All right, we'll just let this guy do dumbass stuff." Uh yeah. Uh and then uh I'm seeing a lot of Mavs media day on my timeline, and a couple things, uh, Carlisle went on a rant, apparently, about analytics, uh, and he said the mid-range stuff doesn't really work for anybody. Oh. Um, well, that's interesting. I would uh, beg to differ on that, but it's not what we're shooting for. Mm-hmm. If you look last year, I think Golden State was in the top three or four in mid-range shots, and they were pretty damn successful. Um, but, no, that, that what this team wants to be, is they want to put up a lot of threes or get a lot of stuff right at the rim? They're they're moving in there. You know who they're going to sort of model their team after? It's going to be similar to what Milwaukee did with their mm-hmm. team. That's that's what the Bucks. I mean, that's what the Mavs will look like. These pictures of Porzingis at media day are fantastic. First of all, he makes Luca look tiny. What's Luca? Six seven? Uh, I believe he's six, six eight? eight. Yeah, six seven and a half, he somewhere looks in there. Tiny compared to the tallest guy in the league. And Porzingis is ripped now. Yep. Uh, he said he came into the league at two twenty three, soaking wet. And with a towel on, mm-hmm. uh, he's 242 now and shredded. And he said he didn't want to put too much weight on for his brand new knee. Okay. And uh, we didn't get into this this much. I know actually G-Bag Nation hit it last year as they now do more basketball than we do on our show. But the Clay Thompson story mm-hmm. where Clay Thompson had a knee injury that's an in ACL. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest that you should wait two years before you get back out there. Guys, do you want to see what? Porzingis, by the time he gets back out there on the floor, yeah. it's going to be pretty close to two years. He is, uh Carlisle said real emphatically, "There, he's completely rehabbed. So I, I took that as meaning, hey, we may occasionally rest a guy on the second night of a back-to-back, just like we did Luca a couple times last year.
3: But I don't see this as there's minute restrictions on Christophe Porzingis. Also, technically, real quick, guys, a little breaking news. From, oh. uh, brought to you by the... Uh, Radio.com app and also Indeed.com slash hire. Post a job today at Indeed.com slash hire. Todd Archer reporting the Cowboys fear Kayvon Frazier suffered a pec tear in Sunday's loss. Uh, Depending on the location of the tear, that could require surgery and that would put him out for the year. Dude, that's I mean, what you go mm. come back from pecs depending on the location of it so. That's the deal with our
1: backup offensive lineman out of Penn State, Connor McGovern. Well, yeah, he had a peck thing and it's like that thing lingers forever.
2: It absolutely uh, does. That's
1: unfortunate and a super dude does a lot in the community with charity and stuff. I'd hate to see that for him on on a personal level. But on a personal level, huge opportunity yesterday to fill in for a legend, uh Brad Sham due to a religious holiday, was unable to call the game. So it, do you guys say this is the second game he's missed? Second, in 39 years. 39 wow, years. So, I was 41 were, years. I, but yeah. I th- maybe, maybe. I thought they were both Rosh Hashanah, too. Yeah. Well, uh, Ted Emmerich filled in for him. Ted Emmerich, son of Roger Emmerich. We had Ted on our show, and he's a brilliant young broadcaster with a super bright future. He filled in. And so this is where we usually do sham goes ham. But instead of that, since it's Ted Emrick, we're going to do – Ted
0: goes Fred! Fred. Okay,
2: get an opportunity
0: to go lots of ham. That hit a giant! That hit a giant! No. I don't know what the hell they're doing here. Ladies and gentlemen. Touchdown! Michael Urban! Prepare yourselves. Move over, sweetness! Make a place for Emmett! For Shadow goes Fred. Fred! To the 10! 5! Walk the door! Touchdown,
3: Barry! All right, let's start it off. Saints first offensive possession. Teddy Bridgewater rolling to the right, and this
0: happened. Bridgewater found Thomas on third and long just a moment ago. Thomas split wide to the right, matched up with Ouzier. Three receivers bunched to the left. Bridgewater out of the gun, third and 13. Bridgewater being chased, rolling to his right. Bridgewater pumping. Bridgewater fires high. It is incomplete off the hands of Ginn and intercepted by the Cowboys. Dallas has its first interception of the season. That sounds so legit. I know.
1: Yeah. That's what I thought, too. Like, anytime I've heard a highlight from yesterday, that's my first thought is I was just listening. I wasn't thinking, who is this? Yeah. Or in any way. Or, wow, look, he's holding. I was just like, this sounds like NFL play by play. I have the same. And, look, uh, the Ted is new to the Cowboys broadcast, but he's been doing stuff for a long time. It's not like they just dropped this guy without a ton of.
3: He's done everything under the sun. Yeah. Golf, Olympics, basketball, base. He's done it all.
1: I do have these. uh, I had this early on when Jared first came over because we had known Jared for a long time. But the first time I really heard Jared do a Ranger game, I was so struck by this sounds like a broadcaster as opposed to this sounds like the Jared guy that we all know. And I had that same sensation with Teddy. You know, we had Teddy in studio last week, but Ben and I first met Ted when he was in high school. And so you've known someone for a really long time, but then to separate yourselves from knowing the person and hear them do
3: the broadcast, you're just going, that sounds like a badass, legit play-by-play guy. Uh, Here's the Malik Collins sack that ended a Saints drive early in the game.
0: Third and seven at the Cowboys 15. Bridgewater steps forward as he relays the audible. Play clock down to two, down to one. He's got the snap. Cowboys bring a blitz. Bridgewater twisted around. He's dropped. Back at the 25. Malik Collins, the penetration and the sack on third down.
1: Right. Oh. I mean, uh, you can't ignore the sack. No. <laughs> oh, no. Especially in a penetration situation.
3: <laughs> right. Cowboys trailing 6 3. It's third. The penetration. <laughs> <laughs> I That's
1: might hire him for the house. <laughs> Wait,
3: what would you use it for? To, to teach my
1: kids yeah. how to do play-by-play. Play. Oh, yeah.
3: Because huh? they, they could want up work in broadcast arts one day. Yeah. yeah. Let the boy watch. 6-3, <laughs> Cowboys trail the Saints. Third down and four. Cowboys need to get the offense going. And that goes to old faithful Jason Witten.
0: Dak all alone in the gun. Play clock to five. He's got the snap. Just a three-man rush. Prescott wires it over the middle. Caught by Witten. Turning up field. He lost the football. It's fumbled and recovered by Von Bell of the Saints. Coming near side right at the 45. Tripped up at the 40-yard line.
1: All right. I wonder how difficult that is just for uh, play-by-play guys in general. But for Ted, I mean, he hasn't been calling NFL games. But listen how quickly he knows
3: exactly who that was. That was awesome. And Superdome, too, you're pretty – well, I don't know what their broadcast location is, but the press box, you're closer Mm -hmm. to the ceiling than you are the floor. Like, you're way up there.
1: One thing that is true of all the good play-by-play guys that I've met or, you know, interacted with or whatever is they all have amazing recall. And so they do so much research going in. I guarantee you that on Sunday morning, if you just, and I bet oh. Ted knew the number of the guys that yeah. were number 47 on the roster. Absolutely. You know, he just knows that stuff inside out, knows their positions and where. they have spotters too. But a guy at Ted's age, as sharp as he is
3: with that recall, he, he's going to be all over it. It's hard. I, I've done play-by-play at Texas uh, at AT&T Stadium before and where they put you to do the game. Oh. I mean, you're not at the 50-yard line. So it's very difficult angles sometimes to see and see the number on the field and things like that. So. You kind
1: of got to know where a guy is and what position he's playing, and then your brain kind of shifts you to what you should be
3: saying. Cowboys do get the ball back, though. Trailing, 6-3 still. And
0: what? Jason's going to go for it on what? fourth and one? Are you serious? All right. <laughs> Cobb in motion left to right fourth and one here they go handoff Elliott burrowing up the middle and he dives ahead to the 45 he should have the first down the Saints are signaling as if they made the stop does New Orleans have the ball did Elliott lose it
2: recovered by the defense
0: Elliott disappeared into the crowd, lost the fumble. Von Bell with his second recovery of this first half. And on fourth and one, the Cowboys lose their second fumble here tonight. So
1: uncharacteristic. First, the Witten fumble, then the Zeke fumble. And I really didn't think he fumbled it. And it was almost like one of those things when you're watching, you're like, oh, my God, look at the Saints. Wishful thinking. They're trying to call a fumble. And they're like, wait, are the refs allowing the Saints to call a fumble here? Oh, my God, the Saints players have determined it is their ball. It's like,
0: wait, what the hell is happening? No,
1: that's a great point. It felt that way because I guess I got to go back and watch it, but I didn't feel like I saw any officials motioning that that happened. It felt like the Saints were saying that and the refs were like, oh, you're right. That guy's got the ball right now. Let's go ahead and call a fumble. And then you go to the booth where
3: you need conclusive evidence to reverse it. So much of that has to do with that initial call. One thing I would teach, if I was defensive coordinator, I would teach my defense, anytime there's a fumble, just all of you just start pointing like you have it. Yeah. Put the peer pressure right. on the refs. Right. Because the refs are now being taught, they don't always do it, but they're being taught to let it go. If it's a fumble, you let it play and then you count on review because it's going to be reviewed either way. Right. You can count on review to save your butt. That's right. what they've been taught to do. So just everyone just point like you have the ball, even if you know that you don't. Like you have it. Influence. The same also gets thing. the crowd into
1: it as well. It's the same thing as a receiver. Every time a receiver gets up, he starts reaching to throw the yeah. flag. Do and oh, of- hell, I should throw the flag. He's told me to do it.
3: So they dodge the bullet, though, only give up a field goal. 9 3. Cowboys get the ball. Their first drive of the third quarter. They're driving down the field. And wait, they put Blake Jarwin in the game.
0: And then what happened? What? Second down and 11. Prescott with the play fake. Dak wires it over the middle. Caught in stride. Blake Jarwin inside the five. Down at the two. Marcus Williams makes the tackle. A 35-yard strike from Prescott to Jarwin. The Cowboys are in the Sherwin-Williams red zone. All right. That was a huge play. It was good to be
1: in the red zone. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't get there much. Then, then you get you some Zeke action. By uh, the way, uh, yeah. Kavanaugh with a tweet here that's Problematic. Uh oh. Pro football reference tax uh tracks broken tackles this year. How many tackles do you guys think Zeke's broken this year? Like four. I'm gonna say he hasn't broken one, Ben. It's right in between you guys. Two. I'm gonna say two. Gonna Out. Say two. Yep. You got it, Shippy. Okay. Ah, yeah. Kamara.
3: Kamara had three plays in which he broke three tackles on the same play last week against <laughs> Seattle. Oh,
1: no. That
3: is showboating. Uh oh, but we are at the one yard line, and you don't need to break tackles when you're at the one, do no. you, Zeke?
0: Jumbo set. Cameron Fleming checks in as well on the right side. Eye formation. Give it to Elliott. He's digging up the middle. Diving for the goal line. He's across. Touchdown, Dallas.
3: All right. So 10-9 got the score. Uh, let's say the last really exciting play that was huge in the game, and this uh-huh. is what will cap cap off. Shame goes, Ham. This is the Teddy Bridgewater uh, so Ted goes Fred. sack. Ted goes f- f- oh, uh, yeah. uh, Fred. Uh, Fred. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh trying to stay in field goal range but not doing that
0: right foot in front of his left he's got the snap with two gloved hands blitzer off the edge from the backside bridgewater is buried back at the 33 robert quinn with the sack on third down
3: <laughs> oh man. you okay over there yeah sorry i just didn't set that up i didn't <laughs> set that clip up very well i thought
1: teddy was gonna kick a field goal yeah <laughs> i do
3: Man, if there's a lack of offense, it could have been Ted goes to bed, you know? Yeah, yeah that was pretty yeah. good. Um, Ted goes spread. We that's going what I'm going with. Words Ted said. that's good. Words Ted, Ted said. said.
1: Words Ted or. said. Oh, yeah, I don't, words Ted said, I mean, said. He'll be back again. Right, said Fred. He'll Brad. be back again in the next four years. He'll get an opportunity uh. to do one of these Brad Sham games.
3: Who says, the who says, the says it, it, yeah. who says it has to – who says it has to rhyme? Could be TED Talk. Oh, yeah, Ted hey, talk. all in all, all right, brilliant
1: job yeah. by Ted Embrick, uh, and a salute to to Brad Sham. It's pretty cool that his faith is so important to him that uh, that he would miss the game to show what's most important in his life, and just all around, well done, man. I'm proud of Ted. I know you guys are too. Pretty oh, spectacular yeah. work.
3: If you want to hear Brad the Cowboy Hour tonight, we'll air at seven on the Fan. So oh wow! that action.
1: Oh. So that's proof that baseball season is now over. Uh, Yes. Absolutely. We'll have our uh, final show of the year with J.D. tomorrow as we talk about the Rangers' future as well as that incredible stuff they did out at Globe Life. We'll get into all that tomorrow. But coming up next, there's more NFL action we need to get to. Ben will take us through all of it next right here on The Fan.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon
3: when a thought hits you.